You're listening to the St. Mark's Podcast for January 15th, 2023, the second Sunday after the Epiphany. Today's sermon was given by the Reverend Peter Walsh. It's based on John chapter 1, verses 29 through 42. Well, good morning again to those of you who are seated before me, and good morning again to those of you who are streaming. Uh, When I was a boy, I thought the Bible was outrageously boring. It wasn't until I got older and plunged into it that I realized that the biblical story is wild. Today we are going to meet the gang anew again, you know, our biblical friends that we already know. We get here, Jesus and John the Baptist and Andrew and his brother, Simon Peter. We also have an unnamed disciple who the tradition names as John, the son of Zebedee, the beloved disciple and the primary author of today's gospel. So we are, we are right at the beginning of Jesus's story here. I mean, we're in chapter one in John's gospel. And as we are introduced to these biblical people that we already know, it's very good to keep in mind how it all ends. So John the Baptist was beheaded by Herod for standing up to Herod. Jesus was crucified for standing up to God. Peter was crucified upside down for standing up for Jesus. Andrew was crucified diagonally for standing up for Jesus. And John lived to a ripe old age, but his brother James was the first one to be martyred. It's clear uh, in the biblical witness that if Jesus is worth dying for, he certainly is worth living for. The very purpose of the gospel that we gather around every Sunday is for us to have an encounter with the living Christ. I mean, this is not just a historical story. We're not gathering around the historical story. What we're gathering around is that doorway, that, that word alive, which is the doorway to the divine. And when we encounter the living Christ happen, uh, we come, when we come face to face with Jesus, we come face to face with the one person, the one living being that can change our lives. And along the way, we meet others who are on the journey. We meet others in the movement who are also coming to know Jesus. They're coming to know the living God through Jesus. And as St. John the Evangelist, the unnamed disciple says at the end of the gospel, uh, we're coming to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and in believing in him, we have life in his name. All four of the Gospels answer the question of who is Jesus, but each one emphasizes a different aspect of Jesus's life. Skip Heitzek, a, a, a pastor, summarized it in this way, and you can find this also on our podcast, that in Matthew, Jesus is the king of the Jews, He is fulfilling the Hebrew scriptures, and there is a great emphasis on what Jesus says. Jesus talks more in the gospel according to Matthew than any of the others. The teachings are laid out in five books of the Torah. 
And in Mark, we get Jesus as the servant of God in action. We get what Jesus did. He's always immediately going off to do something else. And in Luke, the gospel we just finished reading from, we get Jesus as the Son of Man. We get Jesus as the human being, and we, we, uh, we feel his compassion as he is compassionate for us. And in the Gospel according to John, we get Jesus as the Son of God, and we get Jesus in his full divinity. And we see this in the Gospel reading that Justin just read this morning. 90% of the material in John's Gospel is not found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So when we read from John, we always have the possibility of meeting our friends again for the first time. And this story begins, uh, actually the lectionary leaves off the first phrase, which is the next day. And this story that we have is two days, and it begins the next day, so the previous day presumably was when Jesus was baptized. And John uh, on this day testifies to what he experienced in the baptism. And in his testimony, he is the revelatory voice of God. And he, he testifies that Jesus is the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God. He testifies that Jesus is the pre-existent one who uh, was great with God before John was. And he testifies that Jesus was the one on whom he saw the Holy Spirit descend and make an abode in Jesus. So the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus and stayed in Jesus. This was not a glancing blow. The Holy Spirit took up residence in the being of Jesus of Nazareth. And he testifies that Jesus is the Son of God. All this stuff, there's so much to say about the identity of Jesus, and much of that is in the Revved Up for Sunday podcast with, that I do with Justin and Elizabeth for this week. But I would like to focus on the next day, the portion of the gospel, because I think it's in this day that we can most easily find our story in the gospel story. And it says, the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples, and as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, look, here is the Lamb of God. So we all know that this takes place along the edge of the Jordan River on the far side, on the Jordanian side, in Bethany. We've got all this down. But when I hear this story, I always think this is like three guys standing on the sidewalk in New York City and somebody super famous walks by and they go, oh, look who that is. That's kind of what's happened here. Somebody famous, like, whoa, walks by. There, there it says that he exclaimed uh, and there's an exclamation point, there's enthusiasm. Now, when we enter into the nuances of the story, it becomes so much more alive. It really does. It's easy to read the story and glance over it, kind of like a rock hitting the surface of water. But when we descend into the story, we see here that Jesus was walking by. I love that. It was uh, the previous day, Jesus was walking toward John when he said, behold, the Lamb of God. But now it seems as though Jesus, Jesus is on the move. He's got things to do. He's got his own business to take care of. And it says that John the Baptist watched him walk by. 
And the Greek word for watch uh, is to fix one's gaze upon and with a kind of penetrating look. Now we all know, I mean, we've been with John the Baptist a lot here uh, recently. We all know John the Baptist well, and he is a super intense guy, and he is looking at Jesus intensely, and he exclaims, you know, here is the Lamb of God. The previous day he said, behold, the Lamb of God, but it says that he declared it. He declared it. And so what the Bible is saying to us here is the previous day this was a revelatory thing. He is revealing God's words. He is revealing that he is the Lamb of God. But today he is exclaiming it. And this is not revelatory, but it's an initiation. And when he says this, these are the words that kick off the Jesus movement. Our great presiding bishop who talks about the Jesus movement. The Jesus movement begins right here with, behold, the exclamation, this is the Lamb of God. And it says that the two disciples heard him say this and they followed Jesus. So these are two of John's disciples and they turn and follow Jesus. So in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we are accustomed to the call of the disciples coming on the sea, on the side of the Sea of Galilee. That's actually the reading for next week. But in John's gospel, the call of the disciples begins on the shores of the Jordan River, and it begins right now. So that the beginning of the Jesus movement actually begins with movement. These two guys start to follow Jesus. They physically go, and as we all know, to follow Jesus, I, you know, all the hymns we have about following Jesus, the, the, the term to follow becomes the way we speak of discipleship, follower of Jesus. So who Jesus is and what Jesus does reveals who God is and what God does. That's Jesus as the revelation of God. And it says here, when Jesus turned and saw them following. So the word conversion means to turn. And uh, we sometimes talk about conversion experiences. But St. Augustine talks about uh, a life of conversion. We don't have an experience we have. We spend our whole life turning toward God. But what the scripture here reveals that as we are following, it is the living Christ who turns toward us. So you have all, you're all turning toward God. I mean, you're all turning toward the Christ. You, you wouldn't be here this morning. You, you made concerted effort to come here, and those of you who are streaming are tuned in, are also, we are, we are gathered, converting and turning to our Lord. And perhaps while I'm talking, you might imagine that as you've gotten on this, watch Jesus in your mind's eye turning toward you. And Jesus says to them, what are you looking for? This is the first time that Jesus speaks in the gospel according to John. And it sets the tone of how Jesus is. In John's gospel, Jesus has the eyes and insight of God. And when he speaks, his comments and his questions are deeply penetrating. Jesus does not chat. In fact, his questions are often so penetrating 
that the, no one has any idea how to respond to him. They have no idea what he's talking about. In the four Gospels, there are 339 questions. But I wonder if there's one that's more probing than what are you looking for? The Greek word for looking has to do with the surface meaning of what do you want, but also the deeper question of what are you searching for in your soul? What are you, what are you seeking? And so perhaps while I'm speaking, you might imagine Jesus saying to you, what do you want? The disciples answer, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Where are you abiding? I used to think that was a terrible response. It's like, oh my gosh, you have this great opportunity. You want to know where he's staying? We have to remember that Jesus is totally unknown. Just in the day before, John the Baptist said twice, I knew him not. I saw all this stuff happen, but I didn't know the guy. The two disciples, these guys, John's disciples, are saying, can we hang out? Can we come to know you? Can we chill together? That's what they're saying. It's so basic that I missed it. So the Jesus movement be, might begin with movement, but it deepens by hanging out with Jesus, abiding with him, coming to know him. As you know, if you've read deeply into the gospel, according to John, the, the theme of abiding is often on the lips of Jesus. And the same is true for us today. We simply come to know Jesus by being together. That's what contemplative prayer is. A lot of prayer is abiding with and sitting with Jesus and all of the spiritual distance, Bible study, revved up for Sunday podcasts, all of these are ways of being with Jesus and coming to know him. But if that's true, the reverse is also true, which is to say that if we stop hanging out with Jesus, our discipleship, our following of Jesus begins to lose its power. So in response to their question, Jesus says, come and see. Three words, it's an invitation to be with him. There's no sales pitch, there's no coercion, just come and see. And it says that they came and saw where he was staying and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. You'll see a funny conversation about this on the podcast. The Hebrew day begins at 6 a.m. So what they're telling us is, these two guys spent the day with Jesus. That's, that's what happened. And I wonder if you might just take a moment while I'm talking to wonder what it would be like if you spent the day with Jesus. We have a, a fun game that we play in our house and a dinner table periodically. Who would you like to have dinner with? Who would you like to spend the day with? And what would it be like to just be with Jesus? Scripture goes on to say, one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated anointed. 
Andrew is often credited with being the first uh, evangelist, the first apostle. He goes out and gets the first evangelist. He goes out and gets his brother. A love that he loves his brother. He's got really good news, so he goes and gets his brother. Less or little is made about what Andrew's spiritual experience of Jesus might have been like. We have no record of what happened when they spent the day together. We do not hear what it was that moved Andrew. What was it like being in Jesus's presence to feel his energy? You know, we all have energy, that's our aura. And if you don't think you have one, have somebody stand really close to you and you know that they're in your space. That means they're in your aura. Jesus, they're in Jesus's space. They're in his energy zone. They're in his being, they're in his teaching. The only thing we know is that his spiritual sensors must have been completely overwhelmed because here's a guy who's been following John the Baptist who is God-driven and God-possessed. And yet after one day with Jesus by four o'clock, he's like, he's the man, he's the Messiah. And it says he brought Simon to Jesus who looked at him and said, you're Simon, son of John. Do you ever notice how Jesus knows people before they're introduced? He knows their names. Chapter 5, the woman at the well. He knows everything about the woman at the well. And the same is true for each of us. Jesus knows you, though you've not been formally introduced face to face. We sometimes hear of those near-death experiences where people meet Jesus face-to-face, and I'm sure you, like me, would like to meet him face-to-face upon our deaths. And I wonder if Jesus might greet you by name. You are Cassia. Jesus not only knows us, he knows us deeply. The word here, it says that he looked at Simon. The Greek word again is, is concentrated and intense gaze where, where he sees not only the surface things of your life, but the deepest things of one's heart. And one of my favorite forms of prayer and one that you can do while I'm speaking now is to look into the eyes of Christ as they are gazing upon you. Look into those eyes as Jesus sees not only the surface stuff of your life, but the stuff of your heart. Perhaps it was the power of Jesus's gaze, the power of Jesus's eyes that convinced Andrew that Jesus was the Messiah. And perhaps this is the first movement of God in all things, or perhaps this is the way we might say that We are never alone, that even when we avert our gaze, the gaze of Jesus never leaves us. And Jesus says to Simon, you are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. You know that in the Hebrew scriptures, when there's a name change, it denotes there's a change in one's relationship with God. we get that in the book of Genesis, where Abram becomes Abraham, Sari becomes Sarah, Jacob becomes Israel, and now today we get that Simon becomes Peter. 
And in each of these cases, what they're describing is that when one enters into a relationship with the living God, uh, that uh, it is though life has begun anew and therefore you need a new name because you're starting over. And uh, one of these commentators who's been around forever, William Barclay, uh, writes that the great thing about this story is that it tells us how Jesus looks at people. He sees not only what a person is, he also sees what a person can become. He sees not only actualities in a person, he also sees possibilities. Well, in the example of Peter, it's shocking. I mean, Peter is an ordinary guy. He, he's nothing if he isn't completely ordinary, tempestuous ordinary. And that Peter eventually becomes the leader of the Jesus movement where there are literally billions and billions and billions and billions of followers through time. But as it is with Peter, so it is with you. I wonder if you might just take a moment and see Jesus seeing you. What is it that Jesus sees in you? What are the possibilities in your life that have not yet been actualized? And what might happen if you follow him more deeply, if you abide with him, and if you do not avert your gaze? How might those possibilities in your life become your life? sermons on our website, www.stmarksnewcanon.org.